0: Welcome to Malk's TV Talk, the podcast, where we take a loving, longing look at TV and tell you this week, it's our annual year in review episode for 2015, and as usual, there's lots to talk about. From Peter Allen to Gina Reinhart, from The Weekly to Open Slather, from Gogglebox to The Verdict, it's been a big year for TV. And by big, I mean completely subjective as always. I mean, a year ago, who had even heard of Presto Stan or Netflix?
1: Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what.
2: Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching.
1: It's
0: Malk's TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Malk. Joining me this week, three new additions to the echelons of Australian TV royalty journalist and Decider TV contributor, Nicole Gunn. Hello there. Writer and Decider TV contributor, Dan Hall. Hey, what's up? My partner in crime at Decider TV, Kevin Perry.
2: Great to be with you, Steve.
0: Now, lady and gentlemen, uh, it has, look, it's been weighed heavy on our shoulders that we need to tease apart everything that is, was, and has been the 2000 and TV year. Are we ready for this? Absolutely. I'm bracing
3: myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> look, it's going to be massive. We have a lot to get through. So I think uh, it's probably fair that we weigh in. Now, I did ask before we started this whole schmozzle uh, that each of you guys came up with uh, a highlight and a low light for the year and I think this is probably the best opportunity for us to talk in let's start by being really positive Nicole what was your highlight for
2: 2015
3: oh man it's like doing the homework isn't it I had a couple of highlights but I think for mind glitch was one of the toppest of the toppest um mm-hmm. it was very different for Australian TV um It was, I I enjoyed it. It was a a great show and the keeping us hanging, waiting for the, are we going to have season two? Of course they had to have season two, but uh, it's great to see. It's one of the the best series I've seen on on the ABC and on Australian TV in a long time.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really agree. Dan, did you get into Glitch at all? I've seen part of it. I haven't finished it yet, but what I've seen I've liked. Wash your mouth out. What do you mean you haven't finished it yet?
1: Okay, this is where I'm going to mention that I have a 13-month-old at home, and so I'm, I'm very behind on a lot of the big TV titles, which makes me probably the least useful person to have on a podcast like this, uh, unless you really want to know what's going on with the Octonauts or at the Furchester Hotel. Thanks for your
0: contribution, Dan. Kevin? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I love Glitch. It was such a great, great show, great Australian production, great to see that there's... The typical zombie storyline, completely reinvented and, and done in such a fresh way. I can't wait for a new season. The only worrying I'm a bit concerned about is the fact that it might be 2017 until we see it.
0: Great cast too. Yeah, oh my goodness. Patrick Bramill, um, uh, Andrew McFarlane, just amazing uh, cast. Nicole?
3: I am a Patrick Brammell fangirl. Uh, there, I've said it. It's on the table. He's <laughs> He's had a good year. Yeah. Oh, and he's lovely. Sorry, I'm just still stuck on the fact that he's lovely. Yes, he's had a great year because <laughs> he also had no activity as well, which is another one of my highlights, but he's um, he was just amazing in Glitch.
0: Yeah, we'll talk further in uh, drama about how good Glitch was. Your other highlight, was that going to be no activity, Nicole, or have you got something no, else for us?
3: Yeah, no activity is very high on my list. Game of Thrones as well, given that it's so many years into the into the story arc and even though I've got had a few problems, the fact that they diverged away from the um, the George R. Martin um, tome, if you like, it still was one of those ones I watched, recorded, watched again, went back to the books, had a bit of a quick look again um, and next season is promising to be, you know, great, is Jon Snow dead? Well, join the dots on that one but it's, that's for mine, that's what, up there with, the, with Glitcher No Activity for Highlights.
0: Is Jon Snow dead? I'm going to say that he's about as dead uh, as Glenn from The Walking Dead was this season, and if you haven't seen that, too late, too sad. Uh, he was never going to be dead, people. He was um, never going think- to
3: be dead. No way.
1: I mean, he may still may still become dead at some point, but certainly not in that, in that circumstance.
3: No, certainly not. Well, it's interesting because the books end. That's the last we hear of Jon Snow as, as as far as George has written, so it's it could have feasibly being given the nod from the man himself saying, like, no, no, he's dead, but no, he, they can't kill him off. They've killed too many Starks off. They can't kill off Jon Snow.
0: My bold prediction, he'll become a white walker.
3: Because <gasps> his eyes went purple at the end?
0: Mm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I can go with any fan theory there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what, uh, what were your highlights? Of the oh, year. Look, I agree with everything Nicole said, but I think probably another highlight for me is the one that's on just at the moment on SBS in in the second season of Fargo. That mm, has just been yeah, so yes. great to see a show co- completely reinvent itself in a second season and and do so in a in a way that that True Detective completely failed to do.
0: Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: yes. True Detective. Oh okay. That's that's sad. Anyway, Fargo is also, I've caught a couple of episodes. I won't say that I've watched every single one of them, but um, it's quirky enough and um, dark enough to keep me interested, which I'm happy with.
1: Hang on. I got yelled at for admitting I hadn't seen every episode of Glitch and we're just going to let that skate past. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Because
3: it's still
0: going, Dan.
3: (laughs) Exactly. I can always come back to it.
0: Glitch finished a long time ago. Fargo is still running. So it's reasonable that people might be ready, you know, preparing themselves to binge and catch up. Slacker. <laughs> <laughs> true. Unrelated to this discussion, but very
1: true. I'm slack.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we're in a streaming world. You're allowed to watch shows when you want to watch them now. We're not we're not tired to a schedule.
3: Unless you haven't yes. watched Glitch, then you're going to cop it.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's been one of the the big... Revelations of 2015, hasn't it? The fact that here we are, uh, we're recording this the second last day of November, the ratings year has just finished. And this time in 2014, we didn't officially have any subscription video services. Nobody counts QuickFlix. Uh, so, what? Presto Stand Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Um, none of them existed. And now here we are. It's a dramatically different landscape, isn't it?
2: Very dramatic. We're, we're looking at a year where um seven and nine, they've, they've both lost about 10% of their audience in the last 12 months. The ABC have also lost audience share in the last year. Um, Channel 10 and SBS, they've, they've managed to gain a little bit of audience share in the last 12 months, but they're coming off a very low base. But the true story is the fact that this is the year that Netflix launched in Australia and they now have over a million subscribers.
0: Well, that's certainly the numbers that they tell us. While we're here quickly, guys, talking subscription video, a quick straw poll. What of the three services, if any, are you subscribed to? Kevin?
2: Um, Currently, I'm only subscribed to Netflix. I've I've jumped in and out of the other two at different points through the year. I'm finding there's probably not quite enough on any of the services that that warrant you being subscribed for the the full year, but certainly we're in that stage where it's good to – to subscribe to one of them for for one or two months, maybe take advantage of that free trial, and just keep swapping between the services.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dan, what about you? What are you in and out of? I currently have a Stan subscription, but it
1: is one that came free for the first few months of my mobile phone contract, so I wouldn't have it otherwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when that free period is up, I don't intend to extend it. At that point, I might look into Netflix, though.
0: Okay. So Stan's the only one you have at the moment, but you're looking at probably going to Netflix. Uh, and I don't use it. Yep.
1: That's for a very specific reason, which I can go into, but it'll become a bit of a rant.
0: That's all right. Well, we will certainly get there. Nicole, what about you?
3: We've got we've got Stan, um, partly because of the sign-up and you get the first month free, uh, 30 days, whatever it is. Uh, we're still stuck to our Fox hill, We've still got a full service there, so... For mine, it's dipping in when I've got time by myself without the kids around wanting to use up and watch everything they want to watch. So I'll watch stuff on Stan when they're not around. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a campaign, active campaign in our household to get Netflix as well. Um, (laughs) So it's going to be for us, it's going to be weighing up which one. I don't know that we'd go Stan, Netflix and Foxtel uh, or the platinum package that we've got. Yes, we have platinum. Um, So this one's just going to be, I think it's using it like a sample box. We'll just take a little bit here or have something there, see what's on offer there, uh, compare them and see which one will sort of meet our needs over the next six months or so. Do you
1: find that having Foxtel is Mm -hmm. making you reluctant to pull the trigger on paying for any of the other services because you're already paying, you know, a certain amount of big bucks per month on watching TV? It's hard to justify more. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, It it has been, um, and I've resisted jumping into Netflix for that reason and Presto for that reason. Um, I went into Stan because I really liked the look of no activity and and enjoyed it and wanted to know how they were going to take it. Um, Now that there's more Australian content coming on there or um, written for Stan, produced by Stan, I'm probably more inclined to go with it. Sure. But still keep Foxtel as well. And it's a real, it's a tricky one. We tend to uh, record a lot of stuff and come back to it at our leisure. And God knows we've got every Harry Potter movie ever made <laughs> that's still you know, recorded six months ago, 12 months ago. We've still got it stored. So, yeah, Dan, you're right. It's a little bit of like, can we justify both? But for, as they increase the Australian content, we might be nudging more towards Stan, but then again, we might have a bit of a play with Netflix and see what they've got to offer as well.
1: Because I would say that's the main reason I haven't actually gone and paid for a Netflix subscription yet, despite them having a lot of content that appeals to me, because I do have I have a Foxtel package. I spend a decent amount of money per month on watching TV already. My hours are filled. I've got a lot of stuff to watch. So when that when that contract is up, then I'm going to have a pretty interesting decision to make.
3: Mm. It's 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 a it's a tough one because it's a little bit like a security blanket. And where we are, uh, we all our TVs run through uh, Foxtel because we don't have an aerial. So there's a, sure. a double trigger for us. It's like oh god, if we pull the plug on that, we'll have to go through the whole rigmarole of setting up free to air properly. But um, hmm. we, we might we might just do a bit of a, a, a grazing on the other services and see what they've got to offer us.
0: Cool. Now, Nicole, just recently yes. Foxtel uh, uh, announced that they would be making available to customers with the Platinum Foxtel package a free Presto subscription. Have you guys leveraged that yet?
3: Not yet. I didn't get that memo.
0: <laughs> God damn. Are ah, well,
3: you- <laughs> oh, The cheeky? Clearly ones. weren't
0: reading Decider TV then, huh?
3: Oh, well, clearly if it's turned up in the mail, I may have just gone, junk mail, bin it. But uh, I'll have to go back and have a look at that one because that will maybe make things a little bit um, easier.
2: It, it that is a, a special offer that has slipped through the keeper for for many many customers at the moment. I think I think there's a lot of Foxtel mm. customers unaware that they they could be getting free Presto.
3: That's I think you're I think you're very right. I think you're very right there, Kev. I think there's an element of hey, don't tell and they won't ask, and we'll just keep going on our merry way.
1: Dan, did you want to add something? Uh, I don't have the Platinum Foxtel package because uh, I'm not made of cash, uh, so I'm, I'm not <laughs> entitled to it.
0: And if I had it, I wouldn't use it. The presto subscription. Correct. Mm, interesting for call, the, everyone. I mean, for mine For the place, same reason
1: as Stan. It's my it's my one particular little bugbear.
0: The the thing that I think has caught a lot of people out in the market, and I'm happy for you guys to correct me, is that with the introduction of these subscription VO services, it's not just paying the ten or twelve or fifteen bucks a month for whichever service you want to get. And and it still gets up my nose that if you want to get Full Presto, you have to pay 15 bucks a month to get both the TV and the the movie side of things instead of just 10 bucks or whatever because that's where Stan are pitching it and and Netflix to their credit, their HD two screen simultaneous packages is uh, 11, 12 bucks I think a month, so that's not too bad. So it puts Presto right out on the edge as a cost perspective. But then there's also Netflix's tiered system makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: That's it. Carry on. What do you mean by that, Dan? Oh, just that um, I have a lot of friends who can only afford the cheaper one. Some have gone the HD because that's their preference. I think they're just hitting more Mm. spots in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely opens that up. The other catch, of course, with all this subscription video stuff uh, is is the fact that in signing up to do it, that's awesome, but straight away, the use of them is going to affect uh, your home download allowance, and unless – you're one of the lucky ones that is with a telco that have uh recently you know uh uploaded uh, you know uh, uplifted your uh uh your download allowance every month that might start to touch the sides how have you found that's been an impact for you kevin
2: oh it really can particularly if you're if you're looking for a, a high definition streaming service you can start to really stream through a few gig of data very quickly and of course there's mm. also the catch of mobile data if if you have someone who has kids or things and they're they're getting on your vice without you noticing, yeah, you can you can really easily get caught.
0: So I know lots of uh, landline like home internet broadband services have offered different things. Uh, in an unmetered context or in a free context. For example, if you're a Telstra customer, naturally uh, accessing Presto is free. If you're a Foxcell customer, accessing Presto is unmetered. It doesn't count towards your download. Uh, But I can't recall. I think Vodafone offered a mobile unmetered access to Netflix or something, didn't they? Vodafone is packaged with Stan. Is that who they hooked up with? But
1: it's not unmetered if you're on their mobile network. It's just a free, free subscription period. Is that how you got it, Daniel? Correct. Ah, see it all. The pieces all come together. Yeah, uh, my so, internet service provider is unmetered if I use Netflix, which is why mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have a Netflix subscription. Pardon me, when my Foxtel contract yep. slash stand free period run out.
0: I, I was concerned with all these subscription video services coming in at the start of the year because at that time we only air quotes, only had uh, a 200 gig per month download allowance. Now, since then, we've both upped upped our download. I know. Welcome back to the First World Problems podcast. Um, But uh, since then, I guess in preparation for this, I upped it to 500 gig and then at my home telco is Telstra. They doubled that. So right now I've got a terabyte of download every month. And I can promise you, I am a heavy user of all of these things, plus previews and all the rest of it. I don't touch the sides. Dear it's Lord. pretty awesome. I would think that these deals
1: that telcos have struck with streaming providers, you know, so and so unneeded, if you go with so and so telco and what have you, is not just helpful, but probably a necessity to getting them to take mm. off in common use here in Australia.
0: Yeah. I, I, look,
1: you're probably right, Dan. Because people, not everyone, can afford to bump up to five hundred gig or a terabyte or, you know, whatever. whatever the circumstances. Yeah, and look, it, it's
2: been tremendous marketing for the telcos as well. Certainly, Optus have seen a real boost in customers since they partnered with Netflix. So, yeah, no, it's been great business for them this year. Yeah, and and you're right.
3: That that's that's stayed our hand as well. Just of you know, it's hard enough getting the kids off the bloody internet as it is even um, <laughs> if, you know, if we're, we're streaming everything all hours that, uh, that, that has been a red flag um, budgetary wise anyway
0: yeah absolutely so we'll, there'll be more discussion although I think we've almost bled the subscription video side dry from an, uh, a technical idea <laughs> but we will talk more content on that later Dan what was your highlight for 2015?
1: My television highlight for 2015 was the second season of Broad City which I love excellent
0: excellent It's just such a unique show. For people that don't have access to Foxtel, because that's where it's aired here in Australia. Sure. uh, What is it, Dan? Uh,
1: It is a comedy series, half-hour sitcom format that follows around two best friends, uh, both female who live in New York. um, You know, dating lives and their friendships and their work lives. And it's just great. It's hilarious. It is so unique in its tone. It is so unique in its style of comedy. The cast is great. The, all the actors have such a natural, hilarious, lived-in sort of chemistry. I'm just a huge, huge mm. fan of it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm right with you. I think that's been excellent. Now, guys, from a highlights point of view, we've kind of touched on some things. I want to throw some others in there just broadly. Uh, we had Carrie Bickmore's Gold Logie win and The Speech that launched Beanies for Brain Cancer. I thought that was a real highlight and, and a great use of a national platform Absolutely. to do something good with it rather than, you know, talk about whatever. Um, the fact that we are legitimately getting content fast tracked to us, uh, either by Foxtel who've been doing it for a while, but certainly the free to airs lifting their game. Some better than others. Um, uh, 30 years <laughs> yeah. of neighbors. We had Guy Sebastian performing at Eurovision representing Australia, legitimately competing, um, the second series of the ABC's Mental As Week, I thought that was an excellent and very big highlight, and I'd have to say that apart from Tony Jones, everything that Sarah Ferguson touches is gold.
3: <laughs> she is just amazing as a journalist um, she is she is up there with the best of them. Um, I, I, you know without <laughs> there was a certain period of time where there was a lot of really heavyweights out there, the young events, of the world and then we went through a bit of a, a lull, and she is just the one I think that every, as a journalist, every young journalist should aspire to be because she's just so very good at interviewing and dealing with particularly sensitive subjects. She's brilliant. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, she's had an outstanding year, both series, The, the Killing Season and Hitting Home, just that we've seen oh. in the last week. Gosh, that was outstanding television. And, of course, we've also had the announcement of Sarah Ferguson being appointed as host of Four Corners, which in some ways i'm a little bit disappointed about it because it means she won't have as much time to devote to reporting and producing these specials like she has this year
3: that has to be written into her contract surely there must be somewhere in her contract says i must be allowed to do this it just it would be it would be a travesty
2: yeah, she's going to be filing stories for four corners, but a, a program like Hitting Home, that was 6 months in production and she was embedded living in in places in the in the refuges and things like that. So I don't think she will have quite have the time that she had this year to to be on the road fil- filming great content, which is a little bit of a mm-hmm. disappointment. Yeah, it will yeah, be a, a, a different landscape.
1: in an environment where Arguably, the brand on a news organization's masthead is devalued slightly in the user's eyes. So people, rather than buying their particular paper every single day, they're going to whatever's free or whatever's popped up in their Facebook feed or whatever gets bundled into their mobile subscription. Attaching a reliable brand to a person, to a particular reporter, I think is more important than ever. So someone like Sarah Ferguson, where a a consumer... You know, someone who's plugged in and wants to stay abreast of current events is going to say, "I will watch or read whatever she provides." Is invaluable
0: mm-hmm. to a news organization. Completely agree, Dan. And we saw that with her hosting seven thirty, filling in for Lee Sales this year. Um, she did a, a compelling Smash job uh, with some pretty, pretty tough interviews. Not tough in the the context. Tough in that she didn't give them a moment. Now Lee does a great job herself, but Sarah almost went in like, I've just got this to fill in. Who really cares? I'm going to go hard, hard, and did a great job because of it.
3: The ABC would be ridiculously stupid not to utilise her full skills. Uh, If if Four Corners is a little bit like the old uh, special projects they used to dish out to various people on the Channel 9s or whatever, um, that would be, you know, it would be a, a, a waste of talent. They have, they have to allow her the room to, um, to, to do things, especially as the ABC's has so much flack over the last 18 months or so. They, they need someone of her quality to be able to say, no, look, this is what we do and this is what we do well.
0: Well, it's, it's going to be a brave new ABC in 2016. We know that. This brings us into the lowlights for mine, and I'll I'll throw to you, Dan, first, but to carry on from what Nicole said, um, the changes that are happening at the ABC, the fact that, and look, it was probably time, but the exit of Mark Scott, uh, I'm going to say is slash was a low light uh, for the end of this because to some degree he got a little bit hornswoggled by some things that went on, got hogtied by uh, the federal government uh, and the prime minister who decided to basically have at the ABC as they were going to anyway, but... Uh, More on that in a second. Dan, what's your low light for 2015? Uh, The continued, I guess, delay or inaccessibility of certain
1: shows in a landscape that contains Foxtel and Netflix and Stan and Presto is Mm -hmm. hugely frustrating. Like the the pieces are all in place. So why is it that it's still impossible to watch Marvel's Agent Carter almost a year
0: after it was first Mm -hmm. broadcast in the States? Yep. I saw some of those episodes at the start of the year when I was in the US, and you're right. It hasn't got to Australia yet. No, it hasn't. Uh, I
1: think Last Man on Earth just started
0: up a few weeks ago, again, and
1: close to a year after it was on in the States. Um, Seven is still slow-tracking Downton. Mm.
0: Yeah, the final season of Downton 2, which strikes me as ludicrous.
1: Absolutely. By the time it's actually shown on Australian TV, everyone who wants to see it will have seen it through other means. They'll have lost interest. They'll get a few old people who, you know, haven't figured out how to change their channel. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
2: Kevin,
0: Lowlights
2: well, 2015. Yeah, just, just to um, continue with what Dan was saying, one of my real low lights this year has probably been the performance of BBC First, the, the premium drama channel on Foxtel. That's, you know, it, it's a premium channel. You, you're paying extra for it and they are really putting a lot of their best dramas on the slow track now. Yep. We're seeing... Um, the new series of Luther, which will be two brand new episodes in December in the UK, that part of their big Christmas UK special, it's going to yeah. be months later in Australia on BBC First. We're also seeing the new series of Sherlock. Now, the, the, the Christmas special, for some reason Stan have managed to get the rights to that and BBC First strangely have missed out. I don't quite understand the, the the politics of that, but obviously Stan somehow put in a better bid and managed to get it. The the new series of Sherlock, we're, we're yet to hear where that's going to air, but it, it does seem like it will be on the slow track again for, for BBC First, and I expect it will probably end up on Stan and premium subscribers to BBC First will miss out again.
1: Yeah, the word first in their name yeah. is basically sarcastic.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wolf Hall was delayed by quite a bit.
3: Stan, Stan had the big the um, from script to screen thing last week or you know, a couple of weeks ago talking and having these people who were involved with it promoted by Stan, 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 Stan. But BBC First were handling all the media for it and BBC First had some signage at um, the Regent Theatre in Melbourne when they were promoting it. So it's a very odd arrangement that somehow they've missed out on sh- the new season of Sherlock or the Christmas special Yet they're hanging their hat on Stan. So is there some sort of connection there now, future down the down the road where BBC First will be appearing on Stan? Is that maybe what's going on yeah. here?
2: Yeah, I, I think it'd Fox be controversial. Every right to be very disappointed in BBC at the moment. The, the the promise, the big promises of this deal that was announced a couple of years ago, it really hasn't eventuated the way it should have. The, the other thing on BBC First this year was their Australian produced drama banished. Now that yeah. aired in the UK, it was back in about January, and okay, admittedly it wasn't a very good show, but it BBC First in Australia just let it sit for months and months, and all we heard was bad publicity about it. And by the time it actually aired in Australia, no one was interested.
3: It's interesting that one too because they have rabid fans, and I have since doing a preview on it. I have had. I reckon about 50 rabid Banished fans start following me on Twitter. And every time I mention Banished in one way or another, they're retweeting and following. They're demanding a second series. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, those no, Banished heads. The,
2: the, the, fans are very, very, the fans of Banished are very vocal. But, look, to be honest, it, it wasn't a very good show, but it was just interesting yeah, it that it, it, was a, it was a show that had Australian investment and yet for some reason it just got treated terribly in Australia.
0: How many Indigenous people were in banished again? <laughs> what a good point.
3: Bum bow
0: none. I know. For a story of effectively the first fleet landing in Australia, no Indigenous actors. Yeah, that's not cool. No, not
3: yeah, at all. No, I think they are the
2: lucky ones, actually.
3: It, it may have been a case they knew it was going to stink in Australia, so that's maybe that's why they held onto it because they knew they were going to cop a lot of crap for it. But hmm. um, yeah, there were some glaring um, gaps there. That um, it didn't it didn't get a, a mention. You know? The I first think what, Australians um, weren't really first. Yeah, what Kevin's
1: getting at is if you're a premium service like BBC First, you have to pay extra for it. Yep. You don't ever want your customers to sit up on their couch and think, "Hang on, why am I even paying for this?" Which is exactly what mm. Kevin's doing right now. Mm. Yeah.
3: I forget that it's there. To be honest, yeah, I forget.
1: Their um their closed caption record is spotty as well. Nicole, what was your low light?
3: My my low light, my my low light for the year. Oh, there's so many low lights. Do I have to narrow it down to just one or can I have a plethora of low lights?
0: Well, if you go because, for maybe one and we can touch on anything that's show specific when we hit that category.
3: Okay. Well, let's, let's go for this whole big bang theory that's going on with nine and seven and who's got what and who's got the first episodes and who doesn't have the first episodes and tie that within – Um, channel 10 for instance going with modern family and one episode will be new the next week it's back to repeats of old episodes and totally burning their uh, viewers there because it has a a dedicated following but you switch on go oh I've seen this and bang they've lost them that has been my frustrating low light the uh, the whole carry on with big bang theory and also with modern family is it new isn't it new When are they new or aren't they new or do we get one new, two, three old episodes being aired? That has been frustrating.
0: I find it frustrating that anybody thinks the Big Bang Theory is good.
3: Oh, look, the kids love it. Shush.
0: Since when were the kids in charge of television? Look, there were a whole bunch of other uh, pretty average lowlights across the TV year. I think of the uh, the Zaki Maller affair and Q&A and how that affected mm. that with the government front, front bench basically holding the ABC to ransom over their appearance. Uh, if only they'd held out and let that uh, uh, that changeover in Prime Minister happen, I'd say it probably wouldn't have been an issue. Uh, the fact that the, the networks are leaning on biodramas as being the next big saviour for free-to-air TV, that's <laughs> not great. Um, the whole Gallipoli debacle, and I don't mean uh, the coverage of the 100th anniversary uh, of the landing, but I mean the the dramatic side of it, the fact that everybody came uh, with their own drama thing and none of them really fired. I mean, Nine, in fact, had a big multi-episode series about Gallipoli that they started in February and was finished four weeks before Easter, uh, which was before Anzac Day.
3: I've got to say that... Oh, it was such a disappointment for such a, a moment in our history, and and the pull of it, and the hundred years, and the emotion of it. It was lackluster. It was awful. Uh, yeah, and that, that, that move from those- Channel
2: Nine. Sorry, that that move with Channel Nine and the Gallipoli series. It was probably one of the worst pieces of television programming I have seen in such a long in such a long time. It was just. I don't understand. The, the first episode premiered about 9.40 on a Monday night, and the second episode, it went through past 11 o'clock, and then they were surprised that viewers didn't stick with it. I mean, it was just so strange. As a
0: good hook, though, they did drop every episode of Gallipoli on Stan, Um uh, in basically simultaneously. So, so I think as soon as the first episode aired, you could jump on to Stan and watch every episode there. Now, for a new subscription video service with all of the hoorah around Gallipoli, that was actually a really smart move, but it meant that free to wear audiences didn't necessarily chase it down, did they?
2: Yeah, I that's think right. I don't uh, we we don't get statistics around – Sorry, Nicole. We, we don't get statistics around the SVOD services and who watches what. I'd love to know how many people watch Gallipoli on stand. Mm. I, I, I have a suspicion there wasn't very many. I was one.
3: I think I would have preferred to have stormed the beaches of Gallipoli than sit through those episodes again because <laughs> it, it was awful. And we, we uh, like many people, we, we had a relative who was there. So there was a, a keen interest to say, okay, let, let's have a look at this, other than the magnificent um, movie of 1980 or whatever it was. And it was a letdown. And it was just like, oh, mm, okay, well, I'm glad I gave up two hours of my life there. But it was awful. It was, it was awful. So that's a low light. It was awful.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's certainly that. Now, I will take everybody to task. Hopefully, you'll all agree with me. If you don't, this this podcast is over. But if I hear one more network tell me that some fucking animal is going to make me laugh out loud, I will get very, very upset to the point of I don't know. Are you telling me you're not <laughs> excited for ferrets make you laugh out loud?
1: Get out. I've already got it teed up to record.
0: <laughs> Oh, there was some bad stuff there, wasn't there? Oh, And all of this was off the back of a really horrible first year for Seven ratings-wise. They were really struggling, particularly into those winter months where normally uh, everything sort of fires for them and they've at least got a, a strong reality uh, program running for them. But because of some toe-to-toe with Nine, it meant that things were failing and they really needed to resuscitate it. And Kevin amazingly repurposed YouTube videos, got them out of a hole.
2: It really did and such a hole though in restaurant revolution. That's the one of the <laughs> biggest disasters in, in TV history. The amount of money that must have got burnt up in that and, well, I don't know, was was there a win, winner of restaurant revolution? Who knows? The viewers. Do you reckon
3: they just get around the table and go, hey, look, I've got all this money, we need to spend it before the budget's up. What do you reckon, guys? Let's just trot out something with cooking, with competition, and a restaurant and go for it, because it was ill thought. It, it was yeah, it was another stinker.
1: And The real problem for Seven, sorry, Dan, go ahead. I was just going to say, restaurant revolution was the title. Not a single one of those restaurants mm. revolved.
0: <laughs> 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 was on the beaches. <laughs> I am calling bullshit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Far out. You're an idiot. That's excellent. Um, I I was going to say that from a a planning point of view, this was a big part of their 2015 upfronts. Like they were shouting about restaurant revolution then uh, and didn't have a whole lot of detail. So clearly they had an idea that was pitched and internally they went, yeah, yeah, this is a great idea. We can just turn this around and everyone will love it. And look, I, I honestly don't wish ill on anybody in the TV industry, particularly in Australia, because we make so much great TV that when it fails, it kind of stands out. And that's what happened for Restaurant Revolution. But I can only imagine some fairly long faces for a few Fridays in July, August, when that was on TV and uh, it wasn't doing
2: anything.
3: They had it years ago. Remember. Years ago there was um, My Restaurant Rules before it became My Kitchen Rules. So why they didn't rebrand that and bring that back, I have no idea because it was essentially the same thing. It was just a little bit um, better conceived.
1: Is there a certain degree of cooking show fatigue? I mean there's there's obviously two massive ones that have been running for years in My Kitchen Rules and MasterChef and other ones that pop up in between them that do, if not as well, you know, reasonably well. Are we just, like, do we just have enough? Are people seeing commercials for new cooking shows and shaking their heads and going, yeah, no.
0: But then have a look. Compared to Restaurant Revolution, Nine dropped in. their My Kitchen Rules very close to being an actual copy-copy program, The Hot Plate.
2: When you say very close to being an actual copy, copy you
1: mean was an actual copy?
2: Careful. You'll you'll end up as a witness in the next court case if you say (laughs) that.
0: That's exactly right. That still hasn't gone to, to, to... to the courts yet, but certainly that's what seven are proposing, and nine are saying it's not the same thing. But people, if you watch the hot plate, you've watched the only season of that that's ever going to appear again, that's for sure. Uh, but it it did better, and I'm not going to say well, but it did way better than Restaurant Revolution. But it was intentionally put in as a spoiler program, wasn't it? Really, yeah. the first time we've seen that happen.
3: Well, I much prefer the others. I much prefer the the Fox and the Top Chef and. Um, and all those sort of shows myself, but um, that's because I've got a platinum package and I have to make the most of it.
1: <laughs> Are you watching
0: Bake Off? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yes, watching that too.
0: <laughs> I, I, that's for mine. That's a late runner for a good highlight of the year. I'm loving Claire Hooper and Mel Buttle as hosts. Oh, I think they're they amazing. they doing a great the job. Smartest decision they made.
2: Yeah. That's, a, that's another great cooking show there that with the great Australian Bake Off and, and topping the charts for Foxtel and they'll be, they'll be wrapped with it. Yeah, no surprises. That's getting a second season. So, guys,
0: highlights, lowlights done. I did ask uh, the people of Twitter. uh, It's all right. We can touch more on it, Nicole. You'll get your chance. Um, I asked them for what some of their highlights and lowlights were. I got some great responses. Erin Riley uh, offered that her highlight was the Mary Donaldson movie and her lowlight was the Mary Donaldson movie. Um, We got Anna or... At Amcal said uh, it wasn't a highlight per se, but her most important TV of the year was Hitting Home, which we've already talked about from Sarah. Uh, Stephen Murray offered that his highlights were Stan Presto and Netflix uh, and that his lowlights were the continuing trend of television news leaving the regions. Now, that's really important because we are seeing uh, Southern Cross win NBN – uh, even 7 Queensland, really shrinking back prime, shrinking back their newsrooms and making it really tough for regional areas to get that local content and that local input, aren't we?
2: We, we certainly are. And I fear it's going to get a lot worse next year. Um, we, we're seeing a lot of debate in in government at the moment about changes of leadership ownership laws. We won't get into that too much. But uh, the, the truth is, particularly with Win News, they just have a real problem at the moment that their regional news service is not rating. It, it's the viewers mm. have actually lost interest in it, and at, at the moment they 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 show the the Nine News at six o'clock, and that has a massive audience, wins its time slot, and then they lose half their audience at seven o'clock when the local regional news service starts. So I, I won't be surprised if we see Win News cut. their their regional services run across Australia in the next 12 months.
0: Yeah, at the time of recording, there is still discussion happening uh, with, I think, a week left, a sitting week of Parliament still to happen. Uh, And there is some talk that some of those media ownership laws and issues will, in fact, be resolved this week. So even though we are now outside ratings in the TV and political year uh is done or nearly done we may still have some surprises to come which uh given what is being suggested around changes to the reach rule and all of those sorts of things could very significantly change the tv landscape into 2016 with talk that you know nine entertainment co and southern cross uh Osteria are going to merge which would create a mega uber huge company
2: yeah yeah i cannot well,
0: confirm nor d- 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 deny those talks <laughs> <laughs> do you work for one of them do you nicole <laughs> I'm, I'm not
3: discussing anything with S- southern cross Stereo is my best friend and i love them the <laughs> fact that
1: you offer that information yet yeah, nobody asked you to confirm or deny
3: suggests so <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know a lot more than you're letting on shh
3: I know nothing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, look, the the truth is, yeah, we've got Win News at the moment running this campaign where they're, they're threatening to cut their news services if they don't get what they want politically, when in reality, I suspect they're going to cut their news services anyway just because of ratings. Yeah.
3: And that, and you, you're seeing that across the board. I mean, any re, there's been a red mark or a red line through names and departments and services for a long time. It's just a rather convenient way of saying, "Hey, it's not us, it's them."
0: Um, rather cynical. No, it's totally cynical. Uh, I guess countering in or clutching into that, it has been a pretty interesting year in TV technology. We've seen, uh, well, start of the year, SBS were the only network that simulcast their high defin- their, their primary channel in high definition. Uh, as we end the year, Nine are now doing it as well. Uh, uh, ABC have announced they'll do it by the middle of next year. Uh, and uh, Ten have said they're not going to. Seven haven't officially said they will. But I have heard from insiders that they're definitely going to, and be prepared. It's probably going to be before the tennis. Uh, That's the first time you'll hear that from Seven. Well, you'd be very surprised if they didn't. Oh, they'd be crazy not to. Dan, now that Nine have done it it. it, would be a massive misstep to not do it by the time the Australian Open came around. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I can imagine Seven being very keen to to make that change during the the non-ratings period, use the tennis to promote it and Mm. if there are any technical glitches, they, they should be able to have it sorted out by the time that the rating season begins.
0: Yeah, it makes so much sense. We've got now the ability to watch the the terrestrial broadcast signal via the internet with Channel 7 now live streaming. Of course, the ABC have done it for a little while, the SBS on and off, uh, or with some programs or some things, but 9 are about to start it following 7's lead. The ABC have said they're going to change up and do it from December as well. They're going to offer live streaming of primary ABC. You'd expect uh, that SBS will follow suit, 10 have again said, no, no, it's not for us, which now just leaves them well out in the cold technically and, and who knows what they're doing there. Uh, the other thing is that we've got two new television channels that we didn't have at the start of the year in the Food Network and Nine Life. Now, Kevin, you've had a fair bit to say about this on DecidedTV.com. What do you make of Nine Life now that it's here and the Food Network?
2: Oh, look, well, two, two very different things. Food Network, I this is a channel – that's basically, it's a, it's a cable channel that deserves to be on a, on a platform like Foxtel or somewhere. That's where you'd expect to find this mm. sort of content. It, it, it's not a premium channel by any means. It's, it's a lot of older US-focused content that I don't think has a huge amount of appeal for an Australian public, but it. I can certainly understand the, the business case for it. Where, where SBS, um, they're they're in a real funding crisis at the moment, and they've mm. basically been offered a whole heap of free content. Basically, though, they've done a partnership deal with Scripps, which is a a US content maker. So they're basically getting a, a lot of this content for free, and they've set up this channel, and and they're going to earn some some advertising revenue out of it. I mean, they they're sharing the profits with with scripts in the US, but hey, it's it's helping them get out of a funding hole. On the other hand, we've got Nine Life. Now, this is a, a a much cleverer, much more thought out channel that I think is going to appeal to a, a much a much bigger audience. I think it's it's definitely female focused, but I think there's a few shows there that blokes will enjoy well. And I think I can see Nine Life doing quite well as a as a multi-channel. And I suspect mm. that in the next I think in the next six months we will probably see seven and ten rushing to do something similar. A really big
0: hook for Nine Life is gonna be that they've managed to score the Australian free to air rights for the Bachelor and the Bachelorette US. Uh and not, you know, old series, but new series. I don't we haven't heard if they'll fast track them or do any of those sorts of things, but even just having those titles while ten are developing that brand themselves uh here in Australia, I, I think is going to be to nines' advantage more than than tens, uh, and that's going to be a huge thing. Have you had a look, Nicole and Dan, at, at either of those two new channels? Very briefly, no. I've looked at Nine Life. What would you make of it, Dan?
1: Uh, a mixed bag in terms of content, but I think a lot of people are going to find at least one or two shows there that are for them. I think promoting it really mm-hmm. heavily during the block and having it kick off the week the block finished was incredibly clever. Yes. So you know you're getting the people who are going to watch lifestyle shows, Reno shows, reality shows, like that audience. Many of whom watch the block. It's a popular show. The week it wraps yeah, up and hey, across the here's day, a, in fact.
0: Pardon? Oh, I was just going to say across the day, in fact, the first day for Nine Life uh, was almost a complete replay of the last three weeks of the block.
1: Yeah, because that's those people were being deliberately and intentionally channeled to Nine Life. Hmm. You like this reality lifestyle stuff? Well, here you go.
0: Here's a ton of it. Nicole, are you not interested or you just haven't had the chance to look at either of these Uh, news?
3: A little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. Um, (laughs) It's one of those things if I sit down and go, okay, let's make a concerted effort to do this, switch over, do all the right things, but I lose track of all the stuff I want to watch anyway. Throw an extra Mm. channel at me. my little, my little. I'm going to snap a lucky band. That's what's going to happen. There is too much there, and I wonder how much, apart from the initial dive in, have a look. How how much longevity it will, it will have if you're wall to wall that sort of lifestyle stuff. Um, what its life expectancy is, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it's not it's, look, it's not high on my agenda. I might have a look at it, but it's not something I'm rushing out to do at the moment.
0: Well, there's certainly a lot more changes to come around uh, the technology of television even mm. in just the coming couple of months. so I know that uh, fans and listeners of most TV talk the podcast and just people that love t v will be very keen to see what plays out. A big part of every particularly a free to air networks environment is news and current affairs and I think this year we've seen I don't know how but another really tumultuous year uh, when oh, we talk about this insane. kind of content yeah. Nicole, this is close to your heart. I mean, we've seen lots of crazy stuff happen. Uh, we've seen the establishment of that hour-long news block, seven nights a week uh, for both seven and nine. Ten, I know, had been doing it for some time, but for seven and nine to now offer it and for seven to do it at the cost of today, tonight, uh, on the East Coast states at least, you know, it's, uh, they kind of roll some of that content into the latter half of the news, but it's not really formally or even properly Today, Tonight content, that's been a, a pretty significant change to, to what's gone on, hasn't
3: it? Look, it's, it makes sense. for my mind, it makes sense to have it move seamlessly into the next product without having bells and whistles saying, hey, this is a brand-new um, show. Um, once you've got them there, keep them watching the news because we know that's an appointment setter. People will still in this day and age will go, oh, the news is on, flip it over. So I think it makes sense. Um Kids' TV has gone. We know that. It seems there's a lot of news. My only concern is, and this is because I am a precious journalist, is that there's such a lot of repetition um, that you can repetition. You say, oh yes, repetition. I said that that repetition. Mm, It just repetition. Repetition. I mean, radio. I don't know if you guys are aware,
1: you're repeating yourselves a lot.
3: I did, didn't I? <laughs> but radio gets accused of, you're just repeating the same stuff every hour and I know I don't because I rewrite it. But the TV packages are the same. They, they are the same. So it's obviously a cheaper option than putting some shows on, I would assume. But um, as a journalist, I love it, of course. But um, it's mm. just, it's just. I, I think for non-journos or none, those who aren't in the industry or addicted to it, it's a, it's a lot of news. It's a lot of news. It's a
0: long, a long non-stop block of uh, non-stop news. That isn't even and close, but you know what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, and it's particularly hard when it's those big days, those, you know, whether it's the Paris terror attacks or it's MH17 or it's any of those particularly emotional and traumatic stories and we're flogging it. It's on all the time. It. it you know it's 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 tough watching it's tough reporting on it and it's tough watching and i think it gets to a point where saturation is reached and it's a very delicate line they're they're dancing on there
0: hey kevin given that we've got so much news programming it's stuff that falls into the newscaf territory for the commercial free-to-air networks if we look at for example 9's weekday uh, it starts at 5:30 in the morning with today it rolls into mornings which is still technically considered part of newscaf They've then got the 11 o'clock news. They've got the three o'clock catch-up view pretend news. They've got the four o'clock news, I think, or four o'clock news as well. So they go news into news. Then they've got the six o'clock news and then into a current affair. So that's really, what, 14 hours of, uh, give or take, let's call it maybe 10 to 12, news programming every day. How long before we see a commercial free to wear 24-hour news channel?
2: Yeah, well, it's funny. You know, a couple of years ago, I was predicting the, the 24-hour news channel on a multi-channel. I wasn't expecting Channel 9 to do it with their main channel. Yeah, it's almost that, become that, sense, that, hasn't it? Yeah, it wow. It really has. And, and I mean I love the content on those news services, it's just terrible, particularly I'm, I'm with someone who works during the day normally, but on those rare days that I'm home and I look at it, some of those American reports that they, they get on the cheap and just repeat and repeat It's just Mm. terrible content, a lot of it. But, I mean, they're in a a position, I I understand what's happening with a a network like Nine where they they used to have these output deals with American networks like Warner Brothers and CBS and and ABC Studios and they've cut a lot of those American deals and so they they don't have the other drama shows and things that rely on that they used to be able to show Mm. through the day and they've got nothing but news to fill these spots with. It's cheap, and it seems to write, and so they're just going to keep doing it. Mm. They've got a
0: ton of journalists, I won't say sitting around, they've got a ton of journalists available to them to create content. Plus, it wouldn't be much of a stretch. I actually joked about this last week uh, with some of the Channel 9 Brisbane people. Uh, I, I said to them how long before Channel 9, uh, Darren Wick, the head of news and current affairs, how long before he drops in a 24-hour news channel, given how much news you're doing. I just kind of got this half laugh, half knowing wink kind of thing. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's anything uh, on the run there. But keep an eye out for Channel 91, uh, 9 News, anytime soon. Almost guaranteed, Were you surely. bundled into a car boot after this conversation? Look, they did put a hood over my head and uh, what something that felt like a lamb leg was held up to my head. So <laughs> I don't know what was happening. Uh, yeah, look, you, there was you lots. Could,
3: you could see that with, you know, in terms of the journos sitting around, you they'll do deals with someone like this St- Australian Traffic Network, mm. who will run you know, blocks of traffic updates and be able to on-sell their own um, advertising content as well yep. because that's how ATN does it in radio, it yep. will make money for them. It will make money without even blinking because ATN will, would, or a company like ATN would throw everything at it, you no know, having coverage not- of, of accidents.
0: Well, Nine with. have got the benefit of being able to drop in, like give Ross Greenwood a half hour show that could run at 8 o'clock or 8.30 every night. Uh, same mm. with Seven if they wanted to drop Koshi or someone in there to do that kind of thing. They've got the ability to have these, like Sky do, these half hour rolling shows that maybe fill out some of the primetime schedule. But during the day, you just have news presenters that hold down a two or three hour block that have a, a, a rolling story cycle of, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, unless something massive happens and then, you know, all of a sudden that rolling coverage that we see go through the day when they have, you know, the, the plane gets shot down or the, someone attacks something else Richie or Richie gets kicked is, off the bachelor. All of that starts to kick in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who would have thought that how did that not get rolling coverage on 10? The big news um, is what I'm saying. The stories the, that affect all of us. The stories that matter. Um, <laughs> this year, in the addition to the, the, the news calf uh, situation, and I will throw it in briefly here, uh, I know we need to push on. We've got a lot still to talk about. The verdict, this has not been a great move by Nine and yet they have not only persisted and gave it a few more episodes but they have also given it the opportunity to come back for a season two in 2016. Yeah, that
3: that, won't happen. (laughs) There's an episode of The Simpsons where Lisa's running an experiment called Who's Smarter, My Brother or the Hamster? Mm-hmm. Where Bart keeps zapping himself trying to get the cupcake. And I think that's what's happening with Channel Nine. They know it's awful. They know it needs a lot of work, but they can't help themselves. It's like, <laughs> ow, it hurts. Ow, it hurts, but we'll keep running it. Um I, I think the verdict's I think the verdict's out. Would you agree, Kev, that um it, oh, the, look, the there figures, is absolutely, the numbers are talking?
2: Yeah, look, there is absolutely no way it will come back next year. I I don't care what nine says at the moment. that. The verdict is dead. It is just a terrible piece of television. I, I understand the idea. I understand where they were trying to go with it and they were looking at all the free publicity mm-hmm. and great ratings that the ABC was generating with QA. And I can understand why they were jealous of it and, and tried to create their own version, but they Yeah, they just went so off the rails in, in trying to in trying to artificially create controversy to, to try and create this Program that would generate headlines. They it ended up just being an absolute bore fest of predictable people saying predictable things and having predictable arguments, and no one cares. Nope.
3: A hundred percent, a thousand percent agree. A thousand percent agree. Um, and and that's all we're going to say about the verdict. Strange.
0: We don't need to give it any more airtime. We all know, and I think everybody knows what we all think of this absolute rubbish. Uh, There are a couple of. The verdict is in. The verdict is out. Is out. There's a couple of quick things we should touch on in the news category. One is uh, sunrise versus today, uh, closer than ever over the last probably five or six years. Today, nipping at the heels of sunrise. But again, somehow sunrise still manages uh, to pull out a big win for seven, which is so critical to the start of their day. If you watch breakfast TV, I mean, you've really only got three options between 7-9 and the ABC. How is Uh, Wake Up with James
1: Matheson doing?
0: Yeah, not great, (laughs) but thanks for bringing that up, Dan. Haven't watched it for a few weeks. I'm, I'm thinking of getting back into it this week. Yeah, you should check it out over summer. It's pretty good. Um, beyond that, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, go watch Glitch instead. <laughs> Done. Beyond that, though, we've got the uh, the, the ever fierce 7v9 news battle, uh, which is as ominous as that thunder and lightning that's cracking in the background here. Uh, in fact, it's a, a very weird year because, again, we've seen 7, 7 be able to claim the number one news service nationally, but they lost the East Coast again. So 9 News won Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, but 7 won Adelaide and Perth and won by such a margin that it means cumulatively they take out the national win. That just strikes me as ludicrous.
2: Yeah, those crazy people in Perth, they'd love themselves some 7. But, yeah, no, look, nationally it's been a a good year for 9 outside of mainly Perth. And, yeah, I don't know. What what can you say? I mean, there's been a lot of rumours about Today Tonight returning, I'll, I'll tell you now, that's not going to happen. We, we won't see Today Tonight anytime soon. And, in fact, I think the the remaining couple of versions of Today Tonight in Adelaide and Perth, they'll, they'll be lucky if they survive much longer.
0: Wow. That would be a very interesting move in those markets given that they win so conclusively in the 6.30 Well, they,
2: they actually don't anymore. Um, in, in, in Adelaide, we're regularly now seeing the 9 News beat Today Tonight. So, that. Nine has really pegged its way back in Adelaide. Per- Perth's another story. Perth's just crazy for Channel 7. That Channel 7 could put on the test pattern over there and people <laughs> would watch it. But. I think in Perth when you buy a TV,
0: the channels go 1, uh, one 2, 3, 7, uh, 10, 11, 12. There is no nine. It just none of the 90s exist. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy.
3: <laughs> oh, it's,
0: it's amazing. Guys, there's been so much other TV, even beyond the news stuff. If we talk about factual, I'll just give you a few ones that you can probably pick up on. Uh, some amazing content, things that we've already talked about, the killing season, hitting home from Sarah Ferguson on the ABC. Uh, we saw a good game tick along on ABC2, ABC3, doing pretty good business, particularly in the iview uh, download count for them. That continues to be uh, a, a good niche market show that does great business for the ABC. Kebab Kings, which is running right now on SBS, is so fun. And I challenge you guys, there's still two episodes left. Go and watch that. Uh, Rockwiz was back. We saw Room 101 really falter. It was scheduled for the start of the year and then came later and didn't really do anything special. I don't think that was Paul McDermott's fault as much as anything, but I can't put my, my finger on anything there. But I think the big controversy around factual programming this year was Struggle Street. On SBS, oh, what did you make yeah. of it, Dan?
1: Valid, but unfortunately, derailed the the conversation of the larger point the show was trying to make. Mm. That's it. That's what I thought. Was that was
3: that a, was that a problem of their own making though? Because all the promos were definitely slanted for the controversy. Yes,
1: absolutely. This is a show you're going to be tweeting about, and you know we're going to stir up some trouble.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. No, there's yeah. certainly elements of that. Yeah.
2: I, I had a very similar feeling about Go Back to Where You Came From this year on SBS where I thought they were just trying a bit too hard to drum up the controversy.
3: 100% agree with you on that one, yeah.
0: It did get turned up to 11 a little bit, certainly the promo. The shows themselves I thought were were pretty good, but the, the promo around it was, uh, check it out,
2: here's something to be outraged about. Yeah, I I I tried to watch Go Back to Where You Came From, but I just found it was just... Just too many extremes with it, the the extreme right and the extreme left and people that were never going to find any common ground, and I, 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 I lost the point with that one.
3: Yep, tick that box here too. It's it, it was mildly interesting and it was like, nah, I can't go there.
2: I do wonder how much
1: pressure is put on people who produce shows like that to generate something that is going to result in a little bit of outrage, a lot of clicks, a lot of tweets, really, you know, get things humming around the water cooler
3: oh dan i think you've got a hundred in in a nutshell straight away it's always a little bit of no the faux outrage and we'll generate some numbers and we'll get people talking about it definitely um and i think they used it to their advantage so
1: the so the producers yeah are in that position where they may be trying to do something quite noble and throwing in those elements that are going to get more eyeballs and more clicks is just the price they pay. That's the compromise. Oh,
3: but you know what? That's across the board. That,
1: to even to even get it made yeah, in the first place. it's across place.
3: the board now, though, isn't it? I mean, you'll have all all best intentions and all pure intentions to make a program, but then someone goes, oh, hang on, but we also need it to rate. Um, and if it doesn't rate, we yes. don't pay the bills. So, I mean, it's it's a bit of a, um, a yeah, it's a, a strange relationship you get caught up in with that one, I think.
0: Nicole, you make it sound like ratings are the be-all and end-all of television. It is, isn't it? Well, now that we sorted lot- that out, reality television, people, <laughs> there, there was an incredibly big slate. Like probably, I'm going to put it out there, probably bigger than we've seen any other year from the third season of House Rules, sixth season of My Kitchen Rules, Restaurant Revolution we've already talked about, X Factor, The Voice, Married at First Sight. Renault Rumble, two seasons of Survivor, two seasons of The Block, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Gogglebox, Shark Tank, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Biggest Loser, Great Australian Spelling Bee, and The Real Housewives of Melbourne. How do we keep up? I don't think you mentioned MasterChef. And MasterChef. You're right, I didn't, but there was the seventh season of MasterChef this year, Dan. My particular favourite. Do you dabble There's, in any of the others? There's a lot. There's a lot.
1: Oh, I dip in and out. I've I've watched most of this. The most recent season of The Block. Um, obviously watched The Bachelor because I was writing about it mm-hmm. for Decider. Pardon me, The Bachelorette. Yep. Yeah, dip in, dip
0: in and out of a lot. I'm going to out myself here, and this is uh, an embarrassing secret that I've held for some time. But look, I'm amongst friends, so I know that I can share you are it with you. Osher uh, Gunsberg. No, I'm not, because let me tell you, if I was Osher Gunsberg, I've got two Oshers. Sort of make me up. I'm that kind of size. Um, now, I I find all of the women on the Real Housewives of Melbourne quite simply the most abhorrent humans I've ever seen, watched, heard, and met in my life. But I can't stop watching the damn show.
3: <laughs> Your dirty little secret. I've is not seen
1: out. a single. <laughs> Not seen a single minute of it, so
0: I can't agree or disagree. It with It kills you me. I have to watch. I have to see how horrible they're going to be to each other in the next episode.
3: Do you think they are that horrible, though?
2: Yes. Really, they it's are all that horrible. T-
3: oh, every- oh, okay.
2: <laughs> Good news, Steve. You can look forward to the Real Housewives of Sydney in 2017.
0: No, I can't do it. I can't do any others. It's bad enough that I'm watching this, and I hate myself for it. I oh, Why? don't. I can't.
3: Can I be the voice of equality? Where's the real husbands of Melbourne?
0: Nobody cares about the husbands; they're off earning the money.
3: Well, I'd like to just see the strange phenomena of someone doing the dishes or like picking up didn't, the towels or some real life in reality. America.
0: Well, the network that makes these didn't didn't they come up with a Real House or Real Husbands of Atlanta or something where they got five kept men effectively who were. Like, they, they put it on. I think they just found that they just weren't as bitchy. Like, they kind of, you know, they might have disagreed. They got over their problems. They may have had some issues that were pretty first world, but it just meant that, well, I'm not talking to him, and That was kind of it, you know? Well, there wasn't any, oh, she's such a cow, I'm going to bring it up at a big, you know, fashion thing, or I'm going to say everything's okay, but then, oh, God, Pettifler, shut up. Oh. Are, you, are you saying that women are bitchy? Uh, We need to move on. Uh, Kevin, was there anything that you liked? Was there anything that you liked in the reality genre this year?
2: Uh, Look, if if I'm being brutally honest, I mean, I know I'm a TV reviewer, but I I did try my hardest to avoid reality in 2015 and and feel a lot better for it, really. Um, (laughs) Look, I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. That was an early highlight. That was great for 10. I I, I did enjoy that one. Spelling Bee that was one of the other new shows that didn't quite hit the right mark I thought it it was probably a good show in the wrong time slot on a bit too late and wasn't my, their best my, season my kids probably would have enjoyed watching but just just couldn't have them staying up that late on a school night to be to be watching that one um yeah what else uh, The Block was the one that probably went right off the rails I know my my daughter she was 13. Now she used to be obsessed with the block. Used to absolutely love it. I, I don't even think she knew that the auction occurred in this last week. She just completely lost interest in it. And yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what Nine's doing there with the block. But they need to find some way to. No, they they need to find some way to to refresh it and maybe get a few contestants that don't belong in in a, I don't know People Magazine and hmm. probably get pro- probably get back to a bit more wholesome television rather than the the big the big fights and dramas that they've they've tried to build the show up with in in 2015 I think we were just a
0: bit worn out. With two seasons of The Block, if I'm going to stay on brand, we're all a bit block-tired, which is why we're only getting one season of The Block next year. Not only did it work, of course, the production teams really hard, but it also meant that viewers, there was a big expectation when you throw in a four- or five-night-stripped reality format like that there, it just really fatigues you or block teagues you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it, it, it's a tough and, and thing. And you've got
2: to throw Renault Rumble in there as well, which is basically a clone of the block. So, yeah. I mean, effectively oh, it's we back. had three, three seasons of the block this year, effectively. If you and House Renault Rules Rumble. up so against it, it on was 7. It just too much. Yeah, and House Rules, which is another show that just completely burned itself out. And, I mean, Channel 7 were meant to show two seasons of House Rules this yes. year. They, they filmed the two seasons. And mm. there's a season of House Rules sitting on the shelf, which apparently we, we're going to have to put up with next year.
0: We won't get until after Easter either.
2: Yeah.
3: it's. I think, um, you know, my kids, I've got a, a, a teen and a preteen, they were absolutely loving the block early on. Loved it. Renault Rumble, they couldn't give a rat's about it. It was like, meh, it's too soon. And this last season or series, they've maybe watched two or three episodes. That's it. So, you know, the golden goose and killing it, I think Channel 9's well and truly done it. They'll need to rest it, surely, for a good six months before bringing yeah. it back again because it's, they're you know, they're squeezing every last drop out of it and I think it's just going to bore people stupid and they'll, they'll end up regretting
2: yeah. it. Just quickly, the other highlight for reality in this year was was Married at First Sight on 9. That was yes. a show that it, it was built up as going to be the big controversial thing and... And, you know, it was causing lots of shock and anger at, you know, daring to marry someone at first sight and upsetting all these religious people. But actually, in in truth, it was actually a a great reality show that had quite a bit of heart to it. And I was quite impressed with what Nine did on that one.
0: Yeah, well, a, a good way to round out this reality section, I asked again some people uh, on the internet to tell us what their highlights and lowlights were for the year. Five Frogs' blog said that her light, highlight was Gotham Season 2 and that her low light was the block franchise constantly running over its allotted time every week. The show oh, sucks amen. too, she said.
3: Amen. Yeah, I think we're all
0: over that. Uh, Additionally, uh, Andrew B., who tweets as television AU, his 2015 highlight was Guy Sebastian at SBS Eurovision. Uh, His low light was the footy show Fight Night he accidentally channel surfed to overnight. Um, And uh, Michael Burns, who I quite enjoy his tweets, check him out on the Twitter, uh, has said that Gogglebox was the surprise of the year for him, never has a show been that he expected so little from delivered so much. Um, the casting was superb he said mad as hell was inspired this year the xpm however a big disappointment
2: yeah
3: mm.
2: uh, i i tend to agree with that one i uh, i found mad as um sorry the xpm i found that one a bit hard to jump into and yeah gogglebox was that the show that i was personally expecting was going to be awful and turned out it was quite brilliant
0: Mm. I was so excited when I heard that they were making a Gogglebox Australia because I was overseas at the time uh, and I was watching the American version and which then led me to go looking for the UK version. I watched a couple of episodes of that and I just went, this is going to be, if they get the casting right, it's going to be amazing. And to uh, yeah, Foxtel right. Antenne, to CoPro, uh, to their credit, I think they got the cast pretty pretty bang on. It's really enjoyable, really fun is Gogglebox.
3: Oh, it's well done. Agreed. Yeah. It's a guilty little pleasure at our place too.
0: Now, from a comedy perspective, though, uh, Michael already alluded to the XPM maybe didn't hit all of the, uh, the touch points it could have, whereas Mad as Hell was, uh, I think, for its fifth season, it's more than firing. It is absolutely killing everything it does. There was a whole bunch of other incredible comedy we saw come this year. Dirty Laundry Live had its third season and it graduated to the ABC, the primary channel from ABC2. We had the Fresh Blood Initiative, which saw a bunch of great pilots get made, including one uh, from the Fancy Boys, which I think is really, really good. You need to hunt that out, people. How Not to Behave didn't work for the ABC. But then we've got Sammy J and Randy, which premiered on iView ahead of airing on the ABC. The Chaser were back. Charlie Pickering gave us the weekly, uh, or should we call that last week, weekly tonight, Um, Utopia gave us season two. Kenny was back for season two. And uh, probably not so much a surprise, but I think a real win for Working Dog is that, have you been paying attention, uh, didn't just do a little 10-episode season. It ran nearly all year on Monday nights.
2: And, and kept building audience. Their, their finale was their biggest rating show of the year.
0: And I really like it. I think as a format, it's fun. They get they're drawing good people from radio or famous bodies to come and be involved. And I think it's one that works. Just a fun panel show, joking about the news.
3: Mm, they uh, do it well. We've missed them since the panel, haven't we? Really, you know, that, they did that so brilliantly, and it's nice. This is a, a nice little um, touch base.
0: I don't know what's like for you, Kevin. Every year when I mention that there's upfronts, every year I get people saying, "Tell them to bring the panel back."
3: Yeah, bring it back.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> They tried, sort of. What do you mean they tried, Dan?
1: Um, I am completely blanking on the name, but there was a version with Dave Thornton.
2: Oh, uh, that was, uh, was, um, it, was it? Go Wednesday, not Wednesday Night Fever. this was, um, week, wasn't it? This week or?
1: This week live so or something. This, this discussion we're having right now so very, is a good mem- illustration of the impact that it had. So
3: very yes. memorable. I loved every minute of it. They should bring whatever <laughs> it was back. <laughs> Bring the that thing show. back. The,
1: the Bring thing that back work. blank.
3: <laughs>
1: what do we want? We're not sure. Yeah, we can't remember
0: what it was called. When gone? do we want it? Eh. We also saw the subscription The subscription video services gave us some pretty good comedy. No Activity, which we've already talked about on stand. That is uh, th- six episodes of very, very funny stuff. Go and check that out, people. Uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Netflix delivered that. And, and look, I'm going to say controversially, I actually quite liked it. Wow. I don't think that's controversial. <laughs> It was pretty popular. Well, in some circles, Dan, I've seen some people hate on it pretty hard. They're just going, what's this light rubbish? It is light. All right, fair enough.
1: Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Just to jump back to No Activity for a sec, I think it's great that generally one of the big streaming providers is investing in new original Australian comedy and Australian
0: yep. productions. Absolutely.
3: Oh, and, and, and it was funny and too. Hopefully
0: we'll see more of that.
3: Yeah.
0: The flip side, however, people – is that we've then got uh, Foxtel investing in sketch comedy for the first time in ages, nothing that the free-to-air networks are doing, and it, look, it really didn't work. Open Slather seemed to be two distinct casts working on the same show, and the new kids didn't get to play with the old kids too much, did they? No. It was it... an
2: absolute mess. And and from what you hear in the background, there was two teams of writers as well working for the different casts, and that was just a horrible mess of a show that never developed, never went anywhere. It was a show that had nothing to say about about modern culture and and really in in a time of YouTube where where people are used to just watching comedy clips and if it's not funny, just press next and go the next clip and go next. Open slather just felt slow and tired and. From another decade, which in truth it probably was.
1: I don't think it was well promoted at all. Oh, they had buses everywhere.
3: I don't think you could have promoted that into oh. good. I think it was. It was. <laughs> you can promote. You can flog that dead horse, but uh, it's not gonna. It's not gonna oh, yeah. breathe again. It was. Uh, I think you're right, Kevin. I think it, it just didn't know what it, what it was doing, and the jokes fell a little bit flat. Like, okay. That was amusing, wasn't it? Yeah. And it just didn't. No, the thing is I've gone back and watched stuff, you know, fast forward um, highlights the last couple of weeks and gone, man, that was actually really quite funny. And then you compare it mm. to Open Slay, they go, hmm, same people or mostly, mm, not so much, not so much the funny.
2: Yeah. Look, if you compare it to a show like Kinney on 7 Mate, mm. which is a program that really knows its audience, it, it's really, it's you know, it's it's a program that sets out for a, a young male audience. It, it It's a certain kind of joke repeated at, but done well, done really funny material that appeals to that audience and it has something to say. It's sure it's not a particularly clever program, but it's a funny show that knows its audience and, and knows how to convey a message. Compare that with Open Slater, which was just trying to be too many different things by different people, and it ended up just being a mess.
0: There, yeah. there was a lot of great young talent that came into that that basically were getting a new opportunity to to showcase their writing and their their comedic acting skills. And I think that there were some good people in that that basically got pissed against the Absolutely. wall. Absolutely, Someone like Demi Lardner is great. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. And yet, you know, really great talent. all these big old names, Glenn Robbins, uh, even throwing Stephen Curry, Shane Jacobson, Gina Riley, um, uh, you know, some big people with big comedic chops that I have to say at times felt like they were just phoning it in. They turned up for a day, did some lines and got the hell out of there.
3: Yeah, they got Cashed the pay- they check pay- and went home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, look, there has been a little bit of talk around the traps that Foxtel might try again with with just some of the younger cast, but they're really they're really going to have to focus on the writing and really sharpen it up. And, and they won't I, be calling yeah, it open slather if they do. Absolutely not. No, no. I would be curious to check that out. Though
0: there's still a lot of talent there. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's done now. The season's done, so you'd have to find it in catch up or box sets or somewhere on Foxtel if indeed they are repeating it. Um, Oh, no, I mean, if,
1: if they do revisit it with the, just the younger cast to oh, yeah. sharpen it up a bit, that's something I would be really curious. To oh, definitely
0: out. cast an eye across it, absolutely. I will to round out the comedic conversation, fly the flag again for Dirty Laundry Live in a, a, a television age Great. when we have so much opportunity to do live television and nobody does it, to have a show that is as on the edge as Dirty Laundry is, and mm-hmm. to broadcast it live, to have Lawrence Mooney pedalling furiously, looking like a duck, as on top and everything underneath is killing him. Uh, Brooke <laughs> Satchwell, throw in regulars like uh, uh, Marty Sheargold, Zoe Coombs-Ma, um, Angela Bishop even. I, I would have said a revelation in that comedic for uh, context. Uh, and people like Richard Reed who you would kind of expect, but really relaxed into it, I think, and that's through a very deft touch from Lawrence Mooney as host, giving them the chance to breathe and just go hard.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dirty Laundry Live, it, it's a – I mean, I, like you said, the, the cast is great. They're a fantastic bunch of funny people. My only issue with that show is that given that it's in that gossip culture that – you know, talking about the Kardashians and things every week. Mm. I, I personally find it a show a bit hard to engage with just because of the subject matter. I, yep. I'd love to, to see them talking about weightier issues.
0: Yeah, look, it's stepping away from just the fluff of, of celebrity and maybe getting into something like meatier news comedy stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, I, isn't that the great thing about Gogglebox? The, that yes. one moment they can be talking about something really trashy and the next minute they're talking about a serious news issue. And for me, the problem with Dirty Laundry Live is that it spends its whole time just talking about fluff, just talking about nonsense.
0: Don't we need some nonsense in our life though, Kevin?
2: We do, but... It's yeah. funny nonsense. Uh, not, not for me, but anyway, I guess I'm not quite the type No, no, target it is. That's, a,
0: that's an objective fact. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is the benefit, I think, that we have the depth and breadth of Australian comedy as we see it. Not everything is for everyone, and people are gonna disagree with the opinions that we've shared here on this podcast. That's totally awesome. You know, it's you're not wrong if you like open slather. You are wrong. If you like Big Bang Theory, but that's an absolute. So, um, you know, there are some things that we can we can push through on this. Now we are almost there, people. But we do have possibly the biggest section to talk about, and I'll just lead into this with a couple more uh, highlights and lowlights from uh, from friends and listeners. Uh, Ange Mary Claire said that her highlight was the new season of The Leftovers, season two. The opening scene in episode one for season two could win awards as a standalone short. Uh, It was amazing, and I completely agree with that. Uh, She did say that uh, the low light, the verdict, a big thumbs down. Uh, Eskimo Joe offered her highlight uh, as the beautiful lie, and her low light was Jon Snow. I I guess she means Jon Snow conceivably dying. We'll see what happens there. Squinty offered that Mr. Robot. Yeah, sure he did. Yeah. Uh, Squinty offered that Mr. Robot was his highlight, and I thoroughly agree there, and his low light Foxtel prices waiting for the NBN to be activated so I can get rid of Foxtel and go all streaming uh, is probably (laughs) a fair fair take on drama in 2015 because – while we have had some interesting and not-so-interesting drama offered up by both the commercial and free-to-air networks, uh, government networks as well as Foxtel, we've had some incredible drama given to us by Stan Nest- uh, Presto and Netflix this year that I think, to a broader context, outweighs a lot of what we've seen. Um, have you got anything that comes to mind for you, Nicole, as just some, some of the dramas that were good or bad this year? Um.
3: I loved Mr. Robot. I really, Mm -hmm. really loved Mr. Robot. And I I think I binge-watched it as much as I re-binge-watched Twin Peaks because it was just Mm so odd, different, but so obvious. I don't know why we haven't gone there before. The Beautiful Lie I thought was magnificent. I loved the dreamy, trippy quality taught to the filming. It was just beautiful. Glitch, I know I've banged on about Glitch before. Um, The... um, Fear the Walking Dead. I'm interested to keep watching that one because I, I want to know the backstory to the Walking Dead, which is still one of my favorites. Obviously, Game of Thrones yep. um, is just—I I love it. And the one that I really enjoyed too, and I, on the SBS was Bosch. I really, yes. really, really, really liked Bosch, and I didn't know what to expect. And also Dig, which was on. Um, SBS as well and didn't get a second season. I enjoyed that one as well. But Bosch, um, I will be waiting for that one to come back whenever that might be.
0: Well, SBS yeah, have go. confirmed they will bring a Bosch season two back for us in 2016. That's going to be uh, long awaited and, and I'm champing at the bit for it. What about you, Dan? What drama stood out or didn't in 2015? just to kind of piggyback
1: on what nicole was saying in regards to mr robot i think it's so amazing that rami malek oh yeah who really 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 great actor mm. has found kind of a lead role something that really shows him off and should lead to, to more big and great things because he's been around for a little while he was in um the pacific yep. and yeah and stole yep. every scene that he was in um so yeah i'm just gonna piggyback on that enthusiasm um Similar point in Titus Welliver in Bosch, actually. He's been around for years and he's great. Yes. Um, What I really enjoyed this year, well, Fargo is my number one drama for this year. Uh, We've already spoke about that, so I don't want to spend Um, a lot of time on it, but it's just amazing. And little side note, still on the topic of actors, who knew that post-Friday Night Lights, Landry was going to have the most impressive career? (laughs) 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 Jesse Plemons. Yep. I'll tag and off the back bed, of that, Fargo, but
0: throw yeah. in, throw in, um, uh, our mate, Angus Sampson, who is a star yes. in second season of Fargo. Doing, doing really great, great, great work, like a yeah. really
1: charismatic character. Yeah.
0: If you want to get a great podcast, jump back a few in uh, the Moggs TV talks the- uh, series. Uh, I had a chat, an hour long chat with Angus Sampson before Fargo came to Australia. In fact, even launched in America. Uh, and he, he waxes lyrical as he is wont to do about the process in making it. And it is just so um, complimentary around Noah Hawley and the the other cast that he worked with Noah Hawley, the the director and instigator of Fargo. Noah Hawley is a genius. Oh, holy God. To turn a movie, uh, which the Coens did so very well, and they are executive producers of this series, to turn a movie into an incredible TV series. And then to go, you know what? Season two, let's go back 30 years. Let's do a prequel series. Holy crap! It's amazing.
3: I've loved, I've really loved Angus. Yeah. Thoroughly impressed by yep. it. I loved him when he was in Spirited. I just I thought he was brilliant because he was just so not the norm.
1: Oh, absolutely. He was Spirited. I thought was a slightly underrated Australian drama, but that yep. was, wasn't this year. So I'll forget yep. about Spirited.
3: That's from a couple of years ago. But he was great in that one. But anyway, anyway,
1: he was
0: absolutely definitely. Um, oh, in Fury Road, yes, he started, he's it's good time to be Angus Sampson. It sure sure is, Kevin. Two thousand and fifteen drama. What stood out for you?
2: Oh, look, I agree with everything that's been said so far, so I won't go over that again. But it's just some of the other highlights. The Secret River on ABC. That was mm-hmm. a great miniseries, a great, great piece of local storytelling. I just loved the visuals and everything about it. That was a great one. Um, the Principal on SBS. That was yes, um, pat- patching places, but but no, I. I think that was probably SBS's highlight, really. The principal. Um, one of the other ones I wanted to mention was Bloodline on Netflix. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was yeah a really a really interesting show. Um,
0: Another you know, Aussie representative there probably, too.
2: Yeah, probably probably could have been a couple episodes shorter and a bit a bit tighter. And but I, I'm really just fascinated to see what they do with that show in the second season. I. It could be brilliant. It could just—they could completely ruin it. I don't. I'm just so intrigued to see what's going to happen with this, the second season of Bloodline. Um, mm-hmm. And probably the other great highlight from the start of the year was Better Call Saul on stand. Yes. That was. Oh god. That yes. That was so well done. Um, I was so worried about that show and whether it was just going to go off the rails and just be this horrible Breaking Bad spinoff that. But I'm going to stop you a- for
1: a second just to warn you against spoilers
2: because I still haven't seen it. <gasps> no, <I> look- Daniel <laughs> Hall, get out. I know. <laughs> I I, I, don't- won't, I won't spoil anything, Dan, but you, if you're a Breaking Bad fan. I don't want Bad to fan, derail Kevin's
1: you- point, so I won't go into my little rant yet.
2: <laughs> even, even if you weren't a Breaking Bad fan, I think there's something about Medical Soul that it just completely stands on its own two feet. It's just this great original show with great characters, and I, I was really impressed with it. Uh, I was,
1: I'm excited about it. I was an enormous Breaking Bad fan. I think it's one of the greatest things ever in the history of anything.
3: All of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, Dan, block your ears for about 10 seconds. That first 15 minutes of the first episode of Better Call Saul, I was like you, Kevin. I thought it looks good. It's got all of the right bits. Hopefully it should come together. But sitting down and watching, I rewatched the first episode. I was that entranced straight away back to back. I had to watch it again. It's so great. The reason I haven't watched Better Call Saul yet, despite being
1: the target audience for it, is that Stan like Presto don't have closed captions on any of their content, um, which Mm. I find a huge like red mark against. I alluded to this earlier; I just didn't want to go on a rant at the time. Um, But it's the reason that I'm not on board for Stan, not on board for Presto, won't continue with Stan after my trial period. Um, You know, certain circumstances in my home life mean that I need to watch content with closed captions. Um, mm-hmm. Foxtel uh, hit and miss for it. Decent could be better. Free to wear networks are generally pretty solid. I watch a lot of stuff on DVD, a lot of stuff on iTunes. Generally pretty great. Um, but Stan and Presto just nothing. Which I think is it is uh, irresponsible in a way to be not servicing mm-hmm. such a huge portion of the community. Um, and I know that the reason for it is that free to wear and Foxtel. There is legislation governing how much how accessible they yep. have to be, how many closed captions they have to have. You know, certain percentages of their material. There's no such legislation. Everything in prime time, yeah. Um, no such legislation covering streaming services. Stan or presto, Netflix yeah, not have yet. them. That's right. Not right. yet. Hopefully that changes. Fingers crossed. Netflix have them because they're an American company, so it's just a we get them as a knock on effect of that. And in America, they got sued for not having them. So their response was to chuck them up, which fair enough. Um, So until that happens, I'm not going to really be on board. Like I don't want to give my money to a company who who I guess just don't want my money basically. Yeah. And I I hear that. That's
0: important to you, Dan. Yeah, that that makes a, a, a critical part of your buying choice, doesn't it? Yes, that's correct.
2: And, and in truth, it's 2015 and like it's not like Stan and Presto are inventing their technology, their players. They're, they're using um, playback technology that's used around the world. And so it honestly shouldn't be that hard for them to implement closed captioning. No. It, it should just mm. be the done thing that happens everywhere around the world. and Particularly honestly, for the US
0: content, it would come with the captions. Yeah, the files exist. It would.
2: Oh, yeah. It's just a matter of them implementing the technology. And for whatever reason, they haven't done it. And it's very disappointing. They're great it's Guys, uh,
0: we've talked about a lot of great drama. And I will throw a couple of others in there that we didn't necessarily touch on, but I think are, are worthy of getting the big ticks this year. The Vikings season three. Um, yes. This is a drama that has just amazed me. And we're getting a 20 episode, two part series from SBS from, of course, the people that make it, but on SBS next year. Uh, So I cannot wait for more of Ragnar Lothbrok and and his old team. That's going to be incredible. Um, I have really enjoyed uh, House Husbands on and off. It's not quite a fail. Uh, I love a lot of the cast. I love what they're trying to do, but I just think that there's too much shoehorn stuff and making it all wrap up in neat little bows and packages. I'm enjoying Limitless more than I am Quantico of the the Sunday night fast tracked dramas that are coming out of the US from their their latest fall catalogue. I think that Limitless is just more fun and Quantico takes itself too seriously. A place to call home. Now, this is the first of two resuscitated seasons that Foxtel is showing. Remember, it died on seven. Yeah, very much so. And they've gone edgier with it. Oh no no no! In in that it died on seven, and they've given it two seasons on Foxtel. Right, sorry, I thought you were saying there were two shows that were in that situation. Pardon me, carry on.
3: And they they look like they're enjoying themselves too. They're absolutely enjoying themselves, so they know they've got a reprieve, and they're going, "Bugger this, we're going to
0: have fun," and you can tell. Oh look, as an acting totally as an acting cast, who wouldn't like a the surety of two years of work and mm. b the chance to you know make it a little bit. Harder because it was yeah. light, light as light can be. It's no no wonder it died on seven. It was just mush.
2: Yeah, and look, it, it's great to see Foxtel doing a show that's it's probably a show that's accessible to to a more broader audience. Um, for mm. drama on Foxtel, in the past we've seen series like um, uh, well, I'm I'm drawing a blank now. Was it um um sorry, Edit Point dramas on Foxtel, australian dramas Um, particularly what was um sorry sorry yeah it's dramas on Foxtel like devil's playground and things that Mm -hmm. are they're really challenging subject matter and they're they're the sort of dramas that are not going to attract the big audience and it's good to see Foxtel investing in something like a place to call home that is doing massive numbers for them on Foxtel, and it's a show that We'll keep bringing in repeat viewers, and it's going to do great business for Foxtel for many years, both on Foxtel and on Presto. Yeah, Foxtel's getting a bit of a
3: reputation, aren't they? I mean, you're right; they had the Devil's Playground, uh, place to call home, Wentworth. You know, they're they're throwing money at those shows, and it's great. And 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 some of it's really great, quite watchable.
0: Yeah, yeah, Wentworth is amazing. And season three this year just turned it up to 110. It really did do a great job. Season four is going to be somehow. As big, if not bigger, so I'm really looking forward to, wow. to continuing the Wentworth story, yep. uh, and then we get to trip over. Yeah, yeah. Well, we then get to trip over the subscription video drama. Um, Netflix showed us that you can do superhero TV really, really well. We're giving us both Daredevil and just recently Jessica Jones. They are really, really good. Um, Narcos Part of on this Netflix. Enormous Marvel Empire. Oh, it's, it's just billowing everywhere. Narcos is doing big business. Oh. We already talked about Mr. Robot on Presto, which is it aired first on Presto and Presto. then came to showcase. Um, so a big ups for Presto picking up Mr. Robot. Uh, at, to the flip side, Stan have done some good things with Drama as well. They launched the year with Transparent, uh, an Amazon product. They're going to finish the year with the second season of Transparent, and I cannot wait for this. That looks to be uh, another great drama. I just finished Flesh and Bone, which was a Stars Network pr- pickup that they got. That's look, it's pretty full on, uh, but a good drama that surprised me. I didn't expect to like. And then Unreal, which Stan found off the USA Network, that just turned the Bachelor format on its head.
2: Wow. Yeah, yeah. My only my only question with Stan is with their local production, and again, they're they're making shows that probably aren't that accessible to the broader audience. Some of their local productions, and I'd probably like to see them doing something a bit more family based, something that would attract that bigger audience.
3: Yeah, I mean, they've got Wolf Creek,
2: haven't they? That's the. A- yeah, well, yeah, Wolf Creek's pretty heavy, and.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with subscription video services, though, is that they can do niche content and know that it's got a life for an audience here and then an audience in the US and an audience in Europe mm-hmm. and an audience, you know, all around. It doesn't have to be, hey, all of Australia, come and watch Wolf Creek. It's, hey, fans of this horror genre, we know you're going to dig it because you love the films. Hey, here's an eight-part a, a or ten-part TV series based on it with John Jarrett reprising his role as Mick Taylor with that evil, evil laugh, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think that that's – We know Quentin Tarantino will watch it guaranteed that's the key to subscription video content is you don't i think you don't try and make it for a broad audience you try and find the tribe and get them to subscribe and i think that's how you hook yeah, people and You find a smattering of different my, things my, my, my only question them. with
2: that steve is with, with, with a company like netflix where they can afford to do you know 30 different original productions in a year and target different different parts of the audience with each one. With Stan, they can probably only afford to do one, maybe two drama series a year and to do something so niche as Wolf Creek. I just I just wonder if they're missing out a bit.
0: Maybe that's their that's their big splash. That's their big splash, isn't it? They're also thumbing their nose at, at the others. Like, hey Netflix, where's your Australian content that you've made? Oh, there isn't any. Hey Presto, where's your Australian content that you've made? Oh what a, a twenty minute, you know, mini mini series with Matilda Brown, which, look, is fine. Again, it's sort of niche offspring-esque audience uh, content. Uh, but I, I think to that end, it's there's no expectation on any of this subscription video, guys, to go, where's your Aussie content? Yet already we've got no activity and we know Wolf Creek is going to come very shortly, let alone whatever else there's going to drop. I think that anything we get from at this point is a gift. It just needs to be good. And so far they haven't let us down. And Wolf Creek is a known, established brand. Like, they can get a sense
1: of how many people are going to tune in for it. Like, it's, it's, it's a smart move, I think.
0: Okay, team, I need to know from you right now, what are the dramas that let you down or didn't fire? And there's at least two or three I can think of. Nicole, what was the drama that failed you?
3: Pick me, pick me. True Detective 2. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't Finish it conversation, work, conversation. Move on. We have finished the conversation. Why? Why didn't it move? Why didn't it work? because they believed their own press too much. Um, I think the first season was so magnificent and so different and, and so engaging with the, the, the characters that I think they believed their own press, that, you know, that we can do no wrong, let's do it, let's churn another one out. And it just didn't inspire. Um, having said that, by episode four, um they ditched a few of the storylines. Things were obviously cut. They obviously realized that it wasn't working for them and things did pick up. Um, Colin Farrell was good in it. I quite enjoyed him. I think he, he played it well. Um, the other one, whose name I will not mention because I think he did, Vince Vaughn, I did it. I mentioned him that. He was so hmm. awful. He was so ham fistedly awful. What were they thinking? What I can't, I just can't go there anymore. So there you go, True Detective two. If they have True Detective three, they better go back to, back to the drawing board.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that we'll get an answer on whether there'll be a True Detective three. Dan, what let you down in the drama stakes this year?
1: Oh, Downton Abbey, mm-hmm. which is just straight up not a very good TV show anymore. It just that it's a not like the a, content, isn't it? Anything? It's just not well written. Anymore. It used to be. first couple of seasons were really solid. Mm. And just um, I don't have quite the same level of vehemence as Nicole does towards True Detective. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just a, just a dull show that doesn't seem interested in actually having any drama or conflict it's and just, hopes, hopes to skate by on its great cast and production design.
3: Yeah, I think they've taken the whole... Disappointing. Up, upstairs, downstairs has probably gone as far as it can now, hasn't it, with Downton Abbey? It's... Um, it's looking thin. Well,
0: it's not going to escape by any more, is it?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: No.
1: But yeah, we'll we'll see when Channel Seven broadcasts the final season in uh, twenty twenty
0: three. I know. Well, look to to Seven's credit, if we want to call it that. Even though the final season has finished in the UK, and all we've got is the Christmas episode to come, which will round out the series entirely, uh, and you'll be able to buy the DVD uh, on uh, online stores legitimately before it airs in Australia. It will come after the tennis on Seven, but that that is a real misstep. And I agree to a, a degree, Dan. I think that the writing has sort of swallowed itself up, you know, under its own press. Aren't we lovely? Aren't we wonderful? When really, what we wanted is some of that edgy class warfare in the nicest possible way that was taking place. Um, you know, post World yes. War One into World War Two.
1: It settled into a pattern where characters would just state their central character trait or conflict over and over. Like Branson would just say that he was thinking of moving to America once hmm. per episode for six episodes in a row. And like then he moved that's, to that's America. Not story. That's just a that's just a man stating what's on his mind.
0: Yeah. That's not the- actually a
1: plot. Nothing's moving forward.
0: No, you're right. Kevin, what let you down this year?
2: Um, oh, did we mention True Detective? <laughs> yeah, we have. Nicole took that one easily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a train wreck. How did they get that so wrong? Anyway, I won't labour that point. Um, probably the other one, if we're talking locally, we've got Winter on 7. Mm. That was a show that, that could have been so much more and somehow just, just missed the mark a little bit. Um mm. That
0: was two and, episodes um, too long, wasn't it?
2: It was, yeah. And, well, one that, I mean, technically was a success, but I didn't like it was House of Hancock on Nine. I just, yeah, yeah the, just a bit too overdone and over dramatic and poorly written. And, yeah, I just couldn't quite get into House of Hancock as well. The best thing that helped House
0: of Hancock was the legal challenges from Gina Reinhardt, which meant the final episode got slightly re-edited. My goodness, do I want to see what got cut out because of her <laughs> and her lawyers. <laughs> It'll be like the, so the badly. great
1: lost piece of television.
0: It'll be in the Channel 9 archive somewhere. It'll be under lock and key. They won't be allowed to show it, but it'll be on a Christmas tape for sure. Um, I think you're right. Look, extending from that, Kevin, I think it was the the breadth and depth of Australian biodrama that led us down this year. Um, House of Hancock was nothing generally too inspiring. Sam Neill phoned it in. Uh, I thought that Mandy McElhenney did all right as uh, as Gina Reinhardt, but then are we getting to saturation point for too much Mandy McElhenney considering she's on that and Love Child? And seems to pop up everywhere. Uh, It's just as well that Rhonda and Katut found their happy place because I couldn't deal with that in the ads. Um, I thought that the Peter Allen, not the boy next door drama was good but had the worst ending possible. Um, The guy dies. We know that. Why then is he turning up in the middle of New South Wales with a dead Judy Garland, fully dressed, dancing through a a field? What the hell, people? (laughs) And then there is the debacle. That was Mary making of a ah! fucking princess.
3: <laughs> oh, it's the raw order of the elephant that was in the room, wasn't it? It was just I wrong. just.
0: How can you have a show that claims to give you the untold story when that word untold is everything we made up?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it just goes back outrageous. To, it goes back to Diana and Charles' a love story. I mean, that was possibly the worst title show of, like, 1983. It was another, oh, you're kidding me, awful. But um, why would they go down that path? The only interest was do they look sort of like their main characters? Like, Oh, they cast it really well.
0: I think that uh, the people that they got to play Mary and Frederick, they did a pretty good job on casting. They failed miserably on accent training. Uh, because poor the poor guy playing Frederick was a New Zealand actor to start with, and he sounded more English than anything else. In fact, the entire Danish royal family sounded like they came out of the House of Windsor. Um, <laughs> add to that, you know, some of the external shots of Danish castles weren't actually the right Danish castles. Um, like, fair enough, there's creative elements you need to throw into it, and that's fine. But we all know, we all know that Prince Frederick did not get down on one knee beside a welcome to Tasmania road sign uh, <laughs> in a truck stop and propose to then Mary Donaldson to turn her into uh, the princess in, in waiting.
3: Don't ruin the magic. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let me believe.
0: Uh, look, you
1: know outrageous. what they say
0: never let the truth get in the way of a bad story. <laughs> Well, they certainly bloody didn't do that. Uh, guys, to round out today, there's a couple of things we need to quickly talk about. There are some things that I think we need to throw our in-memoriam montage on uh, and say farewell to some series. Uh, Californication rounded out with season seven. CSI finished with a big telemovie for se- uh, season 15. We saw uh, The End of Glee. Season six of Glee rounded out its life. Parenthood died uh, with season six, and I say that intentionally. Revenge. Uh, was hoisted on its own petard at the end of season four. Somehow the revenge wasn't exacted by the end of one season and they needed three more for it to happen. Uh, under the Dome, got out of the Dome, then there was no Dome, so then there was no show after three seasons. And then for mine, the big three, uh, the farewell to Mad Men, which I thought was just delightful, a, f- a great final series there. Uh, two one of the and a half men. Two and a Half Men season 12, who gives a shit? And uh, Channel 10 somehow persevered into three seasons of Blunderland uh, and thought that it was a good idea. So I've, I've no idea. Guys, any thoughts or, or things you want to say as we farewell uh, these ships that employed many?
3: Oh, look, some oh, of those look. shows I didn't realize that still kept going on, to be honest. Like Glee. <laughs> really? It lasted six seasons? I thought that stopped it sure season did. four. Yeah. And Under the Dome, I think guys stopped showing any interest after season one. So I'm surprised it actually got more.
2: Yeah, look, probably. Mad the, Men, It's all nonsense. One but of the big But Mad Men, yeah, I'll agree with you, Dan. Mad Men, the Mad way Men it went out with decades. as much class as it came in, it was a fantastic drama and I loved everything about that finale.
0: Those final moments were brilliant, seeing uh, John Hamm Amazing. as Don Draper finding his zen moment and then cutting to the <laughs> Coke commercial. Was inspired. Perfect. Perfect. So, so great. Now, we need to declare a winner, I guess, people. When we look across free-to-air television, ABC, SBS, 7, 9, and 10, across Foxtel and its many channels, uh, and subscription video services, Presto, Stan, Netflix, who for you wins 2015? Me? Can it be me? Yeah, you can start, Dan. I win. No, I just mean can I win? No, you can't win. Who won? Who won out of all those Ah. people?
1: Ah, oh, Netflix. I'm going to say Netflix.
0: Not unreasonable. I would have said Stan because I love so
1: much of what they do, but mm-hmm. the captions thing is just too much of a hurdle for me.
0: Interesting that you claim Netflix is a winner, even though you've never used it. Kevin, what about you?
2: Well, I suspect Netflix is the winner and will continue to be the winner for some time. But yeah, we also have to give give points to Channel Ten. Um, they've they, they've started mm-hmm. the fight back. We can we can see a recovery. Road for 10, so that's good. And and a, ABC for staying the course as well. Yep. Give them points. Nicole,
0: what about you? Who's the winner?
3: If we could pretend this is like the Brownlows, can I mm-hmm. give three points to the ABC, mm-hmm. two points to Foxtel, because I'm thinking we record a lot of that stuff, so they must be doing yep. something right, and maybe tied for the Brownlow, um, Stan.
0: Yeah, so, and that's not a that, that's a pretty good broad mix, and I think reflective of our viewing habits too. I want to uh, agree with you, Kevin. I think that 10 for 10, 2015 was the year that didn't suck. Um, you know, they've made a lot of shouting at the end of this ratings year, saying that they've the only free to wear commercial network that's seen audience growth. That's because the position they were in coming into this year was more than scraping the bottom of the barrel. I think they were through that barrel and trying to dig up. Uh, so getting an audience was a good thing they had some shows that stuck and work Um, I agree Dan and and all of you guys that I think Stan and Netflix are are head and shoulders as far as content and where you want to be to get that sort of stuff yes SBS and ABC both delivered us some some excellent content otherwise but oh my goodness what a year 2015 has been I'm changing my answer
1: to ABC by the way yeah I don't know why I didn't say it in the first place but just yeah, doing some great stuff in drama and in comedy. I view as a great yep. service. Uh, we've got things like hitting home, like tackling proper issues. Yeah. ABC. Rock solid. I think we all
0: need a cigarette and a good lie down.
3: And a glass of Chardonnay, <laughs> please.
0: Oh, with a straw. Oh, or yes, two. two. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, look, it's going to be, uh, it's been a great year, guys. Thank you so much, Nicole and Dan. Thank you for your involvement in writing for Decider TV. I know that there's lots of people that continually enjoy your work. Kevin, thank you for uh, just coming along for the ride with us. Thank you that we are in this together and and Decider is uh, doing what it is. I'm really appreciating your technical bent and the things that you're interested around uh, television in that regard. Um, So thank you, mate. And thank you to all you guys for being involved in the podcast today.
3: My pleasure. My pleasure.
2: Fantastic.
0: Great to be a part of it. So, Nicole, if people want to yes. track you down in a social setting, how can they do that?
3: You can follow me at Nicole Gunn, Nicole with a K, N-I-K-O-L-E-G-U-N-N. And if you poke me, prod me, send a friend request, I might even make you a friend on Facebook.
2: Ooh.
0: Ooh, he said to the priest. what about you, Dan? How can people find you socially? Twitter, Daniel John Hall.
1: Is that it? That is it.
3: Can I, can I Nord- send you an email? I'm
1: very simple. <laughs> uh, all right. Twitter's the only thing I check
2: regularly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Kevin? How can people track you down socially?
2: Oh, look, now there's a little website called Decider TV where I've put a bit of my focus into. But, uh, yeah, socially, just just a Twitter, at, at Kevin Perry.
0: I am uh, Steve Mulk, of course, as you know. Thank you for joining us this week on Mulk's TV Talk, the podcast made for DeciderTV.com. This week, swing by DeciderTV to check out, look, I'm going to do it again. Uh, The Mulk's year in review is coming. Uh, All of, uh, some of what we've talked about here, but a little bit more in depth, the shows that really captured my eye, the things that I think made us all cringe collectively, and maybe some of the things that you missed that you need to hunt out over summer. Go and check that out on DeciderTV.com. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Malks TV Talk. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at thosethings.com slash Malks TV Talk. New episodes are out Tuesdays, though this might be the last one for 2015. So make sure you subscribe via iTunes or your favourite podcasting app. And please do leave a sweet review. Tune in next time when you'll hear Nicole, Dan and Kevin say... What? 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 Good night! <laughs> <laughs>